0: We are looking at this passage, and I just want to draw out two points this morning. And the first point is this. God knows your story. God knows your story. This uh, last week, I was invited by a school friend of mine who had a spare ticket for the Mercury Music Prize, which is the prize awarded to the best album, uh, British album this year. And uh, I don't get out much these days, so it's quite exciting to go to one of these trips down to uh, Hammersmith Apollo, and there's an amazing there. Uh, we had Stormzy, Kate Tempest, uh, Alt-J, Ed Sheeran on video. It's very exciting to be there, and my friend James and I were really excited to be there. We took a little um, selfie, which um, you actually can't see anything in, actually. But anyway, I'm not very good at photography. Um, but it was amazing to be there. Uh, but the highlight for me was the guy who actually won the award. Uh, A guy called Sampha, you may have heard of him, but his song, uh, Piano, really made an impact on me. His song is about losing his mother, which he did a a few years ago, and how to express his feelings about losing her through music. And these are the, the lyrics. No one knows me like the piano in my mother's home. You would show me I have something people call a soul, And you took hold of me and never, never let me go. Because no one knows me like the piano in my mother's home. Part of the reason that that resonates with me is um, I lost my father a few few years ago. And I remember sitting next to him uh, in his last sort of hours, really, and sort of thinking how thankful I was to know him, but also slightly wishing that I I knew him more. And I guess, to a certain extent, we try and get to know one another, people we know best, but you never quite get to know the complete person. And I think it's a longing that we all have in our hearts to know someone and to be known by them. And in fact, it's the greatest experience we probably have in our lives. And that is the case for this woman in the story. She's no different. She, however, has had a very bad experience of religion like some people today, maybe. After all, religion has separated her from her people, the Samaritans from the Jews, the neighboring people. Religion has separated her as a woman from men. And it has separated her from her own community. We find out that she's been divorced five times, she's been married five times, divorced five times, and she's living with someone else at the moment. And as such, she has been shunned from her community she's isolated and she goes to the well in the middle of the day we, this is a very strange thing to do, the hottest part of the day but it's because she's become an outcast from her own community because of the rules of the day and she doesn't expect to meet anyone there and yet she does meet one person This is a Jewish, yes, Jewish, man, yes, man, who doesn't shun her, but starts having a conversation with her. She can't quite believe it. Imagine, for example, that you're at work tomorrow, and you go take a break from your work, and you go to the water cooler, and you take your bottle to fill it up, and there's someone you've never met there before who hasn't got a bottle, and they say, could you help me get some water? I don't know how to get the water. It's kind of that equivalent. They're sort of making small talk. And the woman, understandably, is taken aback and says, well, hang on a sec, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. You're a man, I'm a woman. We shouldn't have even be having this conversation, let alone asking me for a drink. And Jesus says, if you knew, you don't know me, but if you knew me, you would know that I could give you living water. In other words, you're looking for a physical satisfaction, but actually what I want to give you is a spiritual one. Now imagine you were at the water cooler and someone said that as their opening line. I think I'd probably go, great. Um, I've got a friend who loves having these conversations. John in finance, go and talk to him. It'd be fantastic, he'd love to talk to you about that. But actually, the woman is so taken by this idea of living water and by the person that she's met that she sticks around. She asks more. She says, tell me where I can go to get this living water. Where do you find it? You know, we do a lot to sort of look after our physical bodies, but where do you go to look after your soul, your spiritual life? I don't know if you ever have these moments of maybe you wake up at night or in the morning or maybe in the shower on your run and you you sort of think about the things you never normally think about, the profound questions. I mean, yes, we've got work, we've got sleep and family and holidays and Instagram and gigs and bars and relationships and church and Uber, they're all great. But is there more to life than all of that stuff? There's got to be more. That's what the woman is thinking. Give me that water, she says. And even though this woman doesn't know Jesus, it seems that Jesus knows her. He says, invite your husband. She says, well, I haven't got a husband. He says, "Oh, actually, I know. You've been married five times, and the man you're with at the moment is not your husband. Can you imagine how she felt? Oh, my goodness, this guy knows me knows my life story, knows everything about me, and yet does not reject me. Everyone else in her life so far who's known her story has rejected her. In fact, even at the moment, she is rejected by her own community. Here is a person who knows everything about her and yet doesn't reject her. If you've ever had the experience of knowing someone deeply and them rejecting you, it's probably the most painful experience, or one of the most painful experiences you can have. Even, not even just in a relationship, in a work, in an interview, get rejected is painful. And yet, on the other side, if you share your whole life with someone, all the good bits and the bad bits, and they accept you, it's the most amazing experience you can have. And this woman sees in Jesus someone who doesn't reject her because of her history or her past or even her present, but actually accepts her. And you know what? God knows your story. He knows your story. He doesn't just know your story that you share on Insta stories, on Facebook or on Twitter, you know, the highlights reel of your life. He knows everything. As the psalmist says, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. He knows you. He knows the real you. He knows your greatest achievements and your biggest regrets. He knows your highest hopes and your deepest fears. He knows you and he loves you. He welcomes you with open arms and says, I know you. Do you want to know me? That was the invitation to the woman. I know you. Do you want to know me? Do you want to receive living water that will refresh you and quench your spiritual thirst? That's the offer that Jesus makes to every single one of us. We've been in church for a long time, or it's our first time here. I don't know why, why you're here. Maybe you got invited by a friend. Maybe you were looking for the V&A gallery and you stumbled in the back. You've no idea why you're here. Jesus knows you. He knows your story and he loves you and he wants to welcome you to explore a relationship with him. That's what Alpha is all about. It's about exploring, about exploring the big questions of life. If you've never done Alpha before, as we said, come and join us on Wednesday in the morning or in the evening. Either of them. Check it out just once. So God knows your story. The second point I want to draw out of this passage is this. God wants you to share your story. Share your story. Now, sharing has become part and parcel of our everyday lives, particularly on social media. Uh, So you have a great holiday, you share it. Uh, You have a wonderful evening out with this one, you share it. You go into an achingly cool hipster cafe and order an overpriced brownie on a reconstituted tile and you share it. But actually the important things in life you also want to share. So my wife, Jill, and I are expecting our first baby in January. And uh, yeah, we're really excited about that. And when we first found out that we were pregnant, we were so keen to share it. It's such good news. And I had to, you know, I had to wait a little bit. But eventually when we could share the news, I posted a little picture on Instagram of, of Jill. And I put hashtag baby on board. And it was so exciting to see the response. People just wanted to share in our joy. It's such an amazing moment. You know, the important things in life you want to share. How much more the most important thing? how amazing Jesus is. Your story of your interaction with him. What is your story? We've had some great stories today, but what's your story? You might want to think of your story in, in three parts. What your life was like or has been like. What has happened, how you met Jesus, how you've encountered him. And then what difference has he made? What's your experience of faith? How has your relationship with God changed you? Where have you seen God provide for you? How has God answered your prayers? What difference has Jesus made? That's your story. So here's the question. If you know what your story is, what would it look like for you to share it? Ooh don't want to share that. It's quite personal. I don't know how you feel about that. I remember someone saying to me when I was a teenager, uh, think about sharing your story. And I remember hearing some amazing stories of people who'd had really rough backgrounds and uh, they had an amazing transformation. I remember thinking, my story compared to that is so boring. Who would want to hear my story? In fact, for a while, I thought I'll probably take a couple of years off from God so I can come back and then have a really good story. (laughs) But you know what Jesus says to all of his disciples, not just the ones with the great stories. He says to all of them, you're my witnesses. You're my witnesses. What does a witness do? A witness says exactly what they've seen, exactly what they've experienced. And you know what? Your story is as important as anyone else's because it's your story. No one has a story like you do. What have you seen God do? How have you experienced him in your life? It's unique to you. And you know what? No one can argue with your story. They can argue with all sorts of other things, but they can't argue with your story. This is what's happened to you. And your story is not just unique, it's powerful as well. Uh, Revelation 12 talks about overcoming evil by the power, uh, the blood of the Lamb, and by the power, the words of the testimony, their testimony, the story of the church. Your story is powerful. Others of you might be thinking, well, you know what? I don't want to tell my story because my story is not very holy. I'm a bit embarrassed, to be honest, about my story. If you knew what was going on in my life, even right now, you would not want me to share my story. I'm embarrassed. Like I want to be like a great Christian, but I'm not. You know what? Join the club. That's the case for everyone. We all long to be more like Jesus, but you no, know, we're human. We're on a journey. We've heard it already. We're on a journey with this stuff. I remember a few years ago, I was going through the most difficult time in my life. I had, for various reasons, I was finding faith very difficult. I found church really difficult. I didn't even want to go. I had a huge amount of doubts and questions. And you know what? I think I've had my most profound and honest conversations with people during those times. Because actually, people don't want some sort of polished perfect person telling them about Jesus they want to know what's real what's going on in your life we're all flawed, we all have problems Okay, but you know what, the answer is not me it's Jesus you don't have to worry about you just point people to Jesus others of you might be saying well you know what, if I tell them my story and they're interested, they then might come back and say Okay, I've got some questions about you uh, and about faith Uh, why is there so much suffering in the world? Or how do you have combined science and Christianity? Surely there's a complete conflict. You might be thinking, oh my goodness, I can't answer those questions, so let's not even start the conversation. And I think it's tempting. To, I understand that. But you know what? I look at the woman. The woman is leaving an imperfect life. But she just says, I've met a guy who's told me everything that I've ever done. That's her story. Now, she doesn't try and answer all the philosophical questions. She just says, come and see Jesus. Come and see Jesus. And that's what Alpha is grateful have, You know, might ask you some questions you don't know the answer to. Fine, you say, I don't know. But why don't you come to Alpha, a place where you can ask some questions. I've never met a single person who's become a Christian because they've been argued into it by someone else. It's not the way it works. Tell your story and then just say, come and see. Check it out if you want to. I think the last reason why some people don't want to tell their story, and sometimes that's how I feel, is that you don't want to be tarred with the Christian brush. Now I say this because a lot of people's perception of a Christian, they get from TV, and sometimes those aren't particularly positive pictures. And the feeling is, if I say I'm a Christian, they'll think I'm like that person off TV. I've definitely had that. So even more so, when I got ordained, uh, I became a vicar. I was so reluctant to tell anyone. It sounds stupid, isn't it? But I was basically thought, if I say I'm a vicar, the only idea they have in their head is the vicar of Dibley. (laughs) So they will think that I am like the vicar of Dibley or some other terrible vicar on TV. So I'm not going to tell them. So I used to go to parties and try and avoid the conversation of what do you do for a living. And if people asked me, I'd sort of change the subject and move on. And after a while, a friend of mine said, don't you think that's a little bit odd? And I said, yeah, maybe, but I don't know what to do. And she said, why don't you think about it like this? Could it be that if they met you, even if they think that a vicar is like the vicar of Dibley, they might change their perception of what a vicar looks like? I said, that's a good idea. Ever since then, I've been telling people that I'm a vicar. But I I think it's the same with being a Christian. You think that everyone has an idea of... I don't know, Ned Flanders off The Simpsons, that's what a Christian is like. And you don't want to tell anyone because you don't want to be. But could it be that in meeting you, their whole perception of being a Christian changes? They think, oh, this is a normal person. This is my friend. This is my colleague. They're a Christian. Your story is unique, it's powerful, and you know what? You don't have to know all the answers. You can just say, come and see. Now, the idea of inviting people to something is, is you know, it's, it's a barrier to get over, let's be honest. Um, we had some great stories earlier about inviting friends along to Alpha, but it can be a bit intimidating. And there are different ways to, to tell people uh, about Alpha. One, that you could stand on the desk tomorrow at lunchtime at work and say, uh, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Uh, could he be the Christ? Uh, that could work. Or, or you might want to take a more gentle approach in conversation. And it looks like different things with different people. Just be yourself. There's some people are inviting magnets. They just cannot help but bring people to church. They're the, those kind of people. My friend Juliette, last, this time last year, uh, to Alpha, she brought 22 of her friends on the first night of Alpha. The group already had about 20 people in, so it's an enormous group. Uh, but it's amazing. She is the kind of person that every t- every term she knows Alpha's coming up. She'll put it in her diary, she'll pray, and then she'll invite everyone she meets to come along. Now, some people, that's, that's a gift. That's you know, it's an evangelistic gift. Others of us, we're probably on the other end of the spectrum and thinking... Most people don't even know I'm a Christian at work. Well, here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's a little step that you could take. What about tomorrow? When you're having the conversation about, you know, over the water cooler at lunch or whatever it is, at the school gates, someone says, what did you do at the weekend? You could say, oh, I went to church. They probably won't kill you. You might be thinking that's what they're going to do. They probably won't. In fact, they might be thinking, oh, that's interesting. You never know where it might go. maybe you know someone at work you've been having conversations with who you think might be open to this sort of thing a friend I I love what um, again what Kelly said about Fope said I felt flattered to be invited by someone who meant so much to me you know what if they're your friend and you invite them to something they, they might go no that's not the end of the world but they might say yes it's worth a shot isn't it You could tell your story on social media. Uh, A friend of mine, Jordan, just yesterday I went on Facebook. uh, You probably think that I'm on social media the whole time. It sounds like I am. I'm not. But anyway, I happen to be on Facebook. And Jordan, my friend, just posted this. And uh, I love what he said. He said, if you fancy coming along and chatting about the deep things in life with a a glass of Prosecco in hand, let me know. I don't know where he's getting his Prosecco budget from, but there we go. (laughs) Um, And then he says, uh, holler if you have any questions and feel free to just come along for the first week uh, for the free food and to see if it's your thing or not. Low key, low pressure. If people want to come, great. You could do that. All I would say is pray. Don't do this without praying. You've got to pray. because." As one great evangelist in the 19th century, D.L. Moody, probably the greatest evangelist of the time, he was asked, who is the greatest evangelist of the time? And he said, the greatest evangelist is the Holy Spirit. Because actually without the Holy Spirit, all of this is meaningless. We need to pray. It is God who draws people, brings people alive. It's him who pours out his Holy Spirit into people's lives, the living water. So pray, don't give up, and take the opportunities when they come. Uh, last week, I turned up to church, and we, because of the security issues around the parson's green, we had a couple of guys on security at the gates, and one of them was a guy called Simon. And I just went up to myself and, and went up to him and introduced myself and said, "Hi, I'm Toby." And he said, "What's going on with this church?" And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Everyone's so nice." He said, everyone keeps coming up to me and just shaking my hand and being nice and chatting. I said, well, you know, it's just normal. It's just church. And he said, and also, what's that noise going on in there? Is there a band in there? And I said, yeah, yeah, we have a band. He said, oh, it sounds like a gig. And I said, yeah, yeah, you should come along. He said, well, can I come? Could I bring my wife next week? Simon might even be here today. I don't even know. Uh, And he said, you know, can I bring my children? I said, yeah, of course you can. And then he said, I've always been thinking, do you believe in life after death? And I said, yeah, no, I, I do. And he said, yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot. And he said, but I, I, I want to find a place where I can talk about this sort of thing. Wait, is there a place where I can talk about these kind of questions? I said, well, yes, there happens to be a thing called Alpha. You can come and discuss whatever you like. He said, that's fascinating. I'm really interested. So I sent him an email this week. Hope he comes along. You know what? The Holy Spirit is the one who prepares the way. He draws people to himself. We just have to be there to take the opportunity to share our story. Now the impact of this woman is huge. She just says, come and meet this guy. The impact is massive. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said, we no longer believe just because of what you said to the woman, now we have heard for ourselves. We know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Starts with her, ends with Jesus. That's why we're, we're leading people not towards ourselves, but towards Jesus. And let's have a think about it. The impact of your story could be huge. There are 8.7 million people in London, many of whom have never even heard about Jesus. In here, in this room, we've got, I don't know, almost a thousand people probably. Can you imagine the impact of each of us sharing our story with one person this week? There are 4,000 people in this church. Imagine 4,000 people doing it. Can you imagine the multiplication effect? We need everyone involved. And I want to encourage you, as a church, we can do this together. We could have a huge impact on this city. Do three, one of three things, or do all of them. Firstly, pray. Will you pray this week that God would pour out his Holy Spirit, that he would bring people to Alpha on Wednesday, following week on Sunday, that he would bring people to hear Michael Ramsden? praying. Secondly, serving. We need a whole bunch of people here to welcome. There's going to be hundreds of people here morning and evening on Alpha this Wednesday. We need people to help. Welcome them. Be out on the drive, telling people what's going on. Uh, In here, we need to take people to their groups. We need to have people at the back serving food. We need your help. If you'd like to help on Wednesday morning or evening, we would love your help in serving. So praying, serving, and lastly, inviting. Why don't you take a chance this week? And pray, Lord, would you give me an opportunity to invite one person? And there are different ways that you can do that. One thing is that you could take out one of these cards. You probably would have had one of these on your seat. In fact, if you can find it, why don't you find one of these little invitations if you've got one on your seat. These are little business card-sized invitations that we're making available. We've got loads at the back if you haven't got one on your seat. This is something that you could give to people uh, whenever you want to. So um, what we're going to do is pray that God would use this card to bring people to him, but he would give you an opportunity. This is one of the things you could do. Second thing I'd love to encourage you to do, would you get your phone out? Would you get your phone out? I know we normally say put your phones away at this point, but please could you get your phone out? And this is, again, not a chance to check Instagram, but we're going to, if you pull up your contacts, if you could get your phone, could you just get your phone out and wave it at me? Could you get your phone out and wave it at me? Oh, look, it feels like a Beyonce concert. This is great. Okay, get your phone out. Could you just draw up your contacts? Get your contacts up. Okay. A piece of research done not long ago said that... This is a research with people who weren't Christians but who knew a Christian. They asked them, would you be interested in having a conversation with the Christian that you know about Jesus? One in five people said they'd be really open to it. So, I mean, other people might be open to other conversations, but one in five would like to talk about Jesus. So if you think about it, one in five people in your contacts list are interested in having a conversation about Jesus, statistically. So what I'd like you to do is, starting with A, just scroll through. Would you just scroll with me? Scroll with me, scroll with me. And just scroll through your, your contacts and have a look at those people. One in five of these people would be open to having a conversation about Jesus. And as you scroll through, it depends how many contacts you've got. I'm I'm still on the A's, I'll be honest. Uh, uh, As you go through, you will find maybe there's one person who pops out at you. And you think, you know what? I'm going to have a conversation with that person. I'm going to pray for that person. So you can carry on doing that um, after the service if you'd like to. That's another way of doing it. You might want to invite someone on Tinder. Tinder. You might, you might want to talk to someone at work, whatever it is, on the tube, those conversations. Lewis is talking about having a conversation on the tube, whatever it is. You know what? God wants to use you and your story to reach out to the city, to the people you know, and to bring them to him. God knows your story. He knows everything about you, and he loves you. He accepts you. He welcomes you. Also, he wants to use you to share your story, imperfect as it is, to draw many, many people in this city and beyond to know Jesus. And if we do that, we join with the Holy Spirit, we play our part. Who knows what could happen? In Jesus' name, amen. I'm Bear Grylls. My favourite way to start the day, the Bible in one year. That's how wild I am. Find out more at bibleinoneyear.org or download the Bible in One Year app.